Matthew chapter number eight, and um, I'm going to be I'm going to read some verses here about a particular individual, and uh, I'm going to talk about a great faith tonight. Uh, do you have a great faith? Do you have something that uh, you say, well, I have faith? Yeah, I know. We all claim that we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for uh, our, our, our eternal soul, and we've accepted him as our personal Savior, and that's, of course, what we're preaching as we go to the country of Japan. But what does it take to have a great faith? And what is a great faith? And uh, some things about this particular passage really kind of stood out to me and and uh, challenged me. Uh, I hope that it can be a challenge to you. But uh, what does it mean to have a great faith? You say, Brother Gardner, you're you're kind of preaching to the choir tonight. You know, we're we're uh, we're we're here on Sunday night, and I understand that, and I thank you for that. And uh, I understand that many times the faithful few are the ones that are out on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights, and 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 this thing but maybe there's something sometimes i i keep i wonder if we start to as christians start to live in a pattern out of habit we go to church every sunday morning we kind of get up and we put on the same things and we do the same things and we come and we and we sit in the same seats i don't know if you guys do that here i'm first time here i think i took somebody's seat i'm not sure uh sorry no i don't i, I don't really know Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and so we do things by habit and, and dare I say, maybe even pharisaically a little bit. Uh, the outward looks really good, but are we living by faith? Are we living by faith, trusting God and in, in everything that we do and each step that we take? And and that's something that that we need to start to examine ourselves. And and Jesus Christ here, he points out some things uh, in Matthew in chapter number eight, verse number five. I'm going to start there and uh, you can stand for the reading of the word of God. And uh, so Matthew chapter number eight, verse number five. And when Jesus was answered into Capernaum, he there he came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it. He, uh, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that, Many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And a servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for this time that we can come. Challenge our hearts. Help us to be open to hear what you have for us. Guide my words and fill me with your power that I would not preach uh, my thoughts or my opinions, but that I would preach the word of God. And we'll just praise you for all you've done. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So we see Jesus and he's traveling and he's going around and he comes into this 
city, this area, this Capernaum, and the people are there, and someone approaches him. And uh, it says in this particular passage that Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. And so many times I wonder, does Jesus marvel at my faith? I mean, can, would Jesus, if I, if I met up with him and, and, uh, and I, he talked to me, would he say, wow, I can't believe how much faith that you have. This is the greatest faith in all of Okinawa that I've ever heard of or ever seen. Would he come to you and say, this is the, uh, this is the uh, greatest faith, not the, the greatest faith I've ever seen in all of Knoxville. And there's a lot of churches in Knoxville. Uh, we, um, I came, I grew up in Japan. You didn't see too many churches there. I went to Oklahoma for a college. And, uh, when we went door knocking, probably kind of like here. Yeah, we go to church down there. And, uh, when I went out to California to serve, I'd knock on the door and they'd say, I never been to church in my life. And I said, all right. <laughs> that was like saying sickle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, it was like, uh, I never, never seen, uh, someone, I'd never heard of someone that never, uh, hadn't been to church except for, uh, in Japan. But, uh, but here, uh, when you're talking about this area, so many Christians, so many churches, so many, uh, people that claim Christ and, and, uh, but does your particular faith, does your faith, do you have a faith that Jesus Christ said this is the greatest I've ever seen? Does he marvel at it? You see, when I read that, I thought, wow, that's the kind of faith that I want to have. You see, because you say, well, you probably have great faith because you're on a mission field. But, you know, just like uh, the lowliest of sinners crying out to Christ, the one that's grown up in the church has to have the same power and the same blood of Christ to save him. He has to have the same faith in Christ to save him. And you know we have to have the same faith no matter where we go. I've followed maybe the Lord to the mission field, but that's just what God's called me to do. So I know that where God guides, he provides, right? And if you're here and, and if, uh, you're, you're serving here and you're, uh, have your, you're leading your family here in this, in this church and this is where has, God has led you to be, then, then you have to have just as much faith really to trust God in, in the life that you have. So if you're gonna have a great faith, I see some things here in this particular thing. And first of all, you have to have some humility. You know, if you're gonna have a great faith, you're gonna have to be humble about some things. Think about this for a second. Jesus went to Capernaum and a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at the home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. I thought a centurion. And I started to think about the significance of that. A centurion, someone that was not a Jewish person. This was a a Roman soldier. He was over the Romans and he was there to restore order or to keep order in the, in, in Jerusalem or in that area in Israel. And you say, uh, uh and so Jesus Christ points out a, a centurion. I thought, wow, who would you think that Christ would point out to have, to say they have a great faith? Uh, I thought, well, he, surely he would point out his disciples. 
the disciples who left everything and then started to follow Christ, and they would be an example to the Jews that uh, that the Jewish person would follow Christ and leave everything and follow him, and, and that would be a great faith, but he didn't point them out. Maybe he would point out to the rabbi or the Sadducees. I mean, if you were a Jewish person, just think about that for a minute in that day. I mean, we have the scriptures, so we know what they were. But what I'm saying is if you were a Jewish person in those days, you would probably look to your religious leaders and say they have a great faith because they know the law. They know the scriptures. They teach us or they tell us what what, is, what it says and they preach to us. They didn't point to them. In fact, he pointed to someone who was not a Jew. He pointed to a centurion soldier. And you say, what's the significance of that? Well, that tells me that anyone can have a great faith. It may have even been, in, as I kind of look at the word of God and I see Jesus Christ as he went around, that this is one of the first people that he points out that he kind of indicates that even the Gentiles could have faith in God. Think about that for a moment. Up until that time, he hasn't said that the Gentiles can... I mean, nobody's really said that uh, the Messiah is for anybody else. The Jews knew that the Messiah was for his chosen people. But here he points out that, hey, this man has a great faith, a great faith in God. Who uh, It would seem that everything about the centurion would really prevent him from coming to Christ. Christ was a Jewish man. He was a professional soldier. Jesus was a man of peace. He was a Gentile, but Jesus was a Jew. Yet he went to Jesus, and what did he say? He addressed him as Lord. He addressed him as Lord. You know, we kneel down and we pray and we say, Lord. (laughs) Sometimes I think we mean genie. You know what I mean? Sometimes I would think we kneel down and we uh, think the Lord Jesus Christ is just going to do or the Lord is going to do whatever we want him to do. And and that's not how the way it works, is it? If you had a faith, you know that the Lord works on his timeline and his will is what he uh, what he does. And and this man had a humility about him because he addressed him as Lord and and called him that. And and uh, he said, I don't deserve you to come under my roof. Uh, these were the demonstrations of humility for this man. You see, because this man had authority, didn't he? He had authority and he under, he demonstrated his understanding of the Lord's authority. You know, we have a great faith in God when we honestly and sincerely declare that we cannot live without God. When we have a humility about us. John 15, 5 uh, says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. And so we have to come to that point where we realize that you know, and it's a tough thing for us because it means that we have to change the way we view ourselves. We have to change the way that we can, you know, as I went back to Japan, some, sometimes I believe that I had some, some kind of haughty thoughts like that as, you know, I grew up in Japan. I know how to speak the language. We're going to get there. I'm going to be, uh, going 100 miles an hour. We're just going to, uh, win uh, 100 people to Christ and we're going to, our churches are going to explode and, and some of the, so, you know, and I get kind of get, maybe get ahead of the Lord a little bit. I have to remember that He gives the increase. I'll plant and I'll water and I'll do what he commands me to do. But, see, because as as we see that we're nothing without Christ, 
You see, Jesus started preaching after that time, Matthew chapter 4, repentance. He started preaching repentance, and uh, and repent means that you're going to have a change of mind about sin and about self that leads you to God, a change of direction in your life. And so this man had, had showed humility. Secondly, if you're going to have a great faith, you need to recognize God's authority. Verse number 8 and 9, our passage in the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. You see, he understood that God, that Jesus Christ had authority. He uh, he commended the centurion. The centurion was commended for having a great faith because he recognized that Jesus Christ had authority. And he said, just say the word and it will happen. He explained his understanding of Jesus' authority in terms of his own authority as a military officer. Some have, some have come up to me and said, I've been in the military. And, uh, and so you know what it means and you know what the chain of command is. And you know uh, that the the CEO or the uh, those that have authority and as they give orders and and what he was saying here was uh, uh, he had authority not because it was his but uh, he had authority because it was delegated to him it was the emperor's authority this this soldier the emperor whatever he said was really like the emperor said it those underneath of him had to do as they did as he said. And he's, and he understood that, and, and he understood his understanding, I'm sorry, of the authority was applied to the centurion because he knew that the, the power that Jesus held was God's authority. He knew that God, he was vested with God's authority. When he spoke, it would happen. And, and even, uh, uh, Jesus tells us that all power in Matthew chapter number 28 and verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He had the power and authority. His authority was God's authority. His word was effective because it was God's word. And as a result, people were amazed at the way he taught with authority. You see, that's what we bring to the country of Japan. As we minister there, we're not teaching our own thoughts and our own philosophies and our own religion, but we're teaching the word of God. We're preaching the word of God. We're telling them that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sin. I'll tell you, it's not always easy. Japan has 126 million people. And of those 126 million people, they say one half of 1% of the country claims to be Christian. One half of 1%. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, if we had 200 people here tonight in this room, we possibly do. I'm just saying, but in your, just so you can kind of have a, a launching point. If we had 200 people, one person would claim to be Christian. If we had a thousand, that would be five. Think about that for a minute. A thousand people gathered together. And only five of them would be a Christian. 
those five people would have probably have to have a tremendous amount of faith. They're surrounded by 9,995 unsaved people. They all said, let's do this. Let's do something. Let's go drinking. Let's go. Let's act this way. Let's do these things. That was against your conviction as a Christian. And if you didn't go, how many of those people are going to notice it? Probably all of them. So the Japanese people have a very strong communal bond between each other, it seems like. And they're not going to, they have a lot of peer pressure where they're not going to necessarily make waves and, and uh, they're not going to go against what everybody else is doing. One of the Japanese sayings says, the nail that sticks its head up will be pounded down. They have a lot, they have to have a lot of, I use that in my home with my kids. No, no I'm joking. I, <laughs> you know, what they mean is, everybody's supposed to be doing what we tell them they're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be believing. You're not supposed to be going, doing what everybody else isn't doing. They use that in the schools. They use that in their jobs. You know, if, uh, if uh, the kids are, the kids there, um, they go to school all day. They go to, uh, some type of what they call club. So that would be, um, uh, a sports club. That would be a, a band or, or some type of, uh, instrument club. That would be, uh, chess or that would be tennis. Uh, they have everything, uh, ping pong. Uh, you name it, they have some type of group after school, cur- uh, curricular activity in the school, and they join that group, and they and they uh, join that for the duration of their junior high or their high school time. And they have their events, and they have their activities, and they have their things on Sundays, and you're expected to be there. And there's lots of peer pressure. And if you join one of these clubs or these after-school extracurriculars, then that's going to help you from going from junior high into high school. That's going to give you more uh, uh, credit on your on your transfer, if you will, on your transcripts and transferring into a high school that you want to get into. And so it makes it very hard, and they have a hard time just trusting 100% in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a, we, as I said before, we kind of, uh, uh, started our church a little bit un, unusually and unorthodoxly, but, uh, we praise the Lord for how He allowed us to start and, and so we had our first services, uh, in, um, in 2018, um, even after the shell was kind of up and we, we would have some Bible studies there and then we, in 2000, in uh, November of 2018, we scheduled our opening services and our dedication service for the building. And so we passed out 5,000 flyers and in our area and just around us a little ways, and um, we passed out those flyers and we invited people. We talked to people one on one and and uh, invited them to the services. And uh, we had some, uh, of course, some people, my parents and other missionaries that were on the island to come up because it was on a sat- the dedication was on a Saturday, and then the first service uh, Sunday service would be the next day. And so we kind of had them come up, and we had a group of, of Japanese from a, a sister church, if you will, in mainland Japan 
to come down as a missions trip uh, with some people and, and pass out flyers and do some special music and everything. And so we, we did that. We passed out 5,000 flyers. And uh, that, that day we had one person to come from the invitations that we passed out. And so, praise the Lord. We were excited that one person showed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that was the largest crowd our church ever had. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, so far, you know, so, uh, so we're, we're, we're already breaking records. Amen. The first day. And so, uh, and so we are excited about that. And that, uh, this one person came and, and her name was Izumi. And she was about, she was in her fifties and she was there. Um, when I say things, I want to make sure you guys understand, but basically she is from mainland Japan, from the Osaka area. And, uh, that's about a two hour plane ride from us over the water. Okay. And so we're on a small island. So she's from there and she moved down there with her mother to take care of her. And that's why she's there. And she came and she said, you know, I came because there's some things in my life that I need to change. And so I, I came to talk to you. Man, I was so excited. Right? I mean, here's somebody that says she needs to change. We're preaching it all the time and nobody comes. And here's somebody that comes on their own and says, I need something. And, and so I gave her the gospel and, and, uh, and she said, okay, I understand that. And so I was like, oh, okay, so you, you want to get saved? You want to pray and ask Christ as, uh, as your savior? And she said, uh, what do you mean? Uh, okay. Well, here, let me start over. And so, uh, we, and so we, we talk about it again and, and she would come every week. She would come every week and came, uh, on every Sunday morning and she would take care of her mother. And she was battling some things at home with her sister. And, uh, and then in July, we, of last year, we told her that we were going to be going home on a furlough to raise some funds for the new church plant as, um, as it grows and as it, as we kind of, uh, tried to do, uh, more outreach and more things. We just needed some more funds. And so we we're going to come back to this, to the states and, and raise some more support, but also report to our churches and, and uh, she was sad that we were leaving, but then she told us that she was going to be moving back to her hometown. And so we were sad to hear that because she wouldn't be there when we got back. But she said, I'll stay in touch with you. And she says to me, Brother uh, Pastor Daniel, I think that I will become a Christian eventually. And so this is one of those roller coaster things where you... Uh, and you, she says, but then she said, I'm sorry that I haven't become a Christian yet. Is it because she had knowledge up here, but she couldn't accept it by faith? And many of us have something up here, but it's not by faith. And we need to re- realize that God's authority has all power, uh, He has all power to do whatever He wants and, and it's by His timing and He makes things happen. And sometimes that's hard for me to understand as I'm trying to reach the people of Japan, but I just have to continue to trust in Him, help by myself and understand that His authority is what's going to ha- make it happen. How much do we recognize God's authority over our lives in this world? And that would be one thing for Izumi is that she just cannot understand that God has authority over her. 
pure faith recognizes God's authority, but thirdly, pure faith or a great faith acts in obedience to God. You see, you can't have faith without obedience, I don't think. You know the song? You can sing with me. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. You see, a great faith has obedience. The centurion expressed his faith by his readiness to act according to God's instruction. Like his own soldiers, he's ready to follow the orders from Christ. Do this and he does it. Having faith in God means we trust him and we're ready to obey him. You say, you have faith in God, then you're ready to obey him. You're ready to do what he's commanded or what he's been leading you to do or what he's been impressing upon your heart to step out to do. As we stepped out and went to Japan and you can say, well, that might have been easy for you, but uh, uh, and that might have been easy for you as you grew up in the country. And, and yes, that's true. Uh, I was used to what was there, so it wasn't much of a shock to me. But, you know, when you when you when you get there and you labor and and many times and I have a, a notebook where I have uh, the stories of some pe- of people that we've led to Christ. The young man that I led to Christ uh uh, after we had been there for a couple of years, I met him at a convenience store. He was working behind the counter and he just, uh, we just started to interact with each other because it was close to my house and I would go there from time to time and, and so we would go, uh, so I would talk with him and then I invited him over to my house and he wanted to learn some English and, and then I, uh, invited him to a special meetings and he came to that and he accepted Christ as a savior. I remember talking with him though after that and, and he had been a drug addict, and so uh, he was going through a program like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous it's for, for drug addiction. It wasn't Christian-based or anything, but he was already into that in that program. But he uh, uh, came with me, and, and as I said, he accepted Christ. But after that, I said I was trying to help him understand that that you know Jesus Christ can help you, can give you strength, and give you uh, give you what you need to overcome that, and and you don't have to necessarily be involved in this particular program that is uh, that is. Uh, just a, 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 what do you want to say, um, a humanistic, if you will, uh, based program. The reliance on each other. And you have to have the group to be able to continue to overcome. And, and he's like, I can't miss a meeting. And, and I was just trying to help him understand some, some different things, but he just couldn't get a hold of that. And eventually he moved over, moved to another place in Japan. But, um, but sometimes we see fruit right away. And sometimes it takes a while. You see, because faith doesn't mean passive or, or rather faith is seen by our activity. In fact, faith initiates actions believing God's provision. God's going to give you the strength if you step out. God's going to provide the areas that, that he leads you in. You know the story of the four friends that lowered their friend through the roof and, and uh, they must have had a lot of faith. 
because they tore up that guy's roof. They must have had a, a, an, a, an obviously a faith in Christ that said he's going to provide the materials because we're going to have to replace this roof after we, we pull it up. And I want to thank this church and many church like your, many churches like yours for giving towards missions so that people can go and hear the gospel all around the world. There was a lady that was coming to our church that we started. And she had been coming for many years. We've been praying for her husband. Her husband, uh, their last name is uh, Miyagi. So it was Mr. and Mrs. Miyagi. And um, Miyagi is a very common name in Okinawa. It's like uh, Jones or Smith, those kinds of things here in America, I guess. And so Mr. Miyagi, not not the uh, movie star, but um, uh, he started coming to our church. And uh, he started coming uh, to the services, well, to Wednesday night. I was doing an English lesson and he would come. And, and he, be, he came for probably, um, I'm just going to say that he probably came for a good five or six years. And we gave the gospel to him. I would, when we would have guest speakers, evangelists, uh, Japanese pastors come and preach at our church for our people, I would take them over to, uh, Mr. Miyagi's house and we would talk and then we would have tea and, and, uh, they would share the gospel with him. And he would say things like, you know, I just can't believe that there's one all powerful, all knowing God. And he had a problem with that. He was a school teacher. That's what he did. He was retired. And uh, and so I we, we continue to pray for him and continue to work and continue to witness. And he would stay after the English lesson on Wednesdays and, you know, Wednesday nights, usually a Bible study. But every chance I got, that buddy Bible study went straight to the gospel. You know what I mean? I mean, it just went there because I, I was uh, just trying to help Mr. Miyagi understand that he had a chance every Wednesday to accept Christ. And one Wednesday, it was going to be, it was our last Wednesday before we went, went home on a furlough in 2010. And I started the Jap, the English lesson and we started out uh, speaking English and then I always, uh, I just thought, you know what I'm going to do and, and, and we had, th- we would have two or three or four people in that class and, um, and then that particular Wednesday though, he's the only one that showed up. And I thought, well, this is my last week, and what am I going to teach? And so I, I said, you know, I'm going to teach you about, I'm going to, do you mind if I talk this uh, today in English about Adam and Eve? It's, we call it creation. He said, that's great. Sure. So I started talking about God. He created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and Eve, the first man and first woman. I began to teach about that in English, and I could tell that he was becoming very interested. And some words he wasn't understanding in English, and so I said, would you mind if I just told you this in story in Japanese? And he said, that would be fine. And so I began to talk to him in Japanese so that he could understand, and I went through creation, how man sinned, how that God then, through Jesus Christ, gave us a atonement for our sin, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And I kind of went from creation right into the, the gospel. 
And I wound down and I said, and I was going overtime. I knew church was supposed to be starting, but I, I just, I just felt like the Holy Spirit had led me in that way. And, and I just said, you know, you accept Jesus Christ and he, he has a home in, the Bible says that he has a home in heaven for you. I prepare a place for you, the Bible says. I said, don't you want to accept Christ? Be forgiven and know that you have a home in heaven. And he said, yes. I was pretty excited. So we prayed and he prayed and accept Christ as a savior. And then, uh, I told, I asked him, I said, now don't tell anybody when you go downstairs, but after we start the service and then we have, uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have our announcement time. And that, that during that time, would you be willing to stand up and tell everybody what you did this uh, today? And he said, yes. And so we, I uh, had the service and I was pretty excited. I wanted the service to get done so that he could stand up and give, give a, a public profession of, uh, of his faith in Christ. And, and so, um, uh, we, we finished and uh, we hadn't told his wife and he was sitting next to her. So he stood up and he and he said, I accepted Christ as my personal savior. And she was so surprised. She kind of let out, oh, you know, a laugh and she was kind of embarrassed because she didn't know and, but she was excited. And Mr. Miyagi, he began to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. He got baptized. But then several years back, Mr. Miyagi started to forget a lot of things. He started to act kind of strangely at at church sometimes, not understanding where he was. I'd walk around the, the seats and, see him again and he's like hey good to see you again today or good to see you today and you know Mr. Miyagi started to lose his memory and his mind and I just thank the Lord that before that happened he accepted Christ as a savior you see it's never too late to have faith in God it's never too late to be obedient to him it's never too late to continue to follow how God's led you by faith and do and step out and do what he wants you to do. A great faith in God is displayed by our obedience. And Jesus rewarded the faith of the centurion by healing his servant, by displaying his power, exercising his authority and fulfilling his promise to to him because he had faith. I'm asking you, do you have a great faith? Do you have a faith that God will marvel at? Because you recognize these things in your life. Great faith in God is going to enable us to lay down what we have and believe that God would supply the rest. I'll close with an illustration of, of, a, of a young girl and a dad. A, a, young, a dad describes the time when his daughter, age five, came to him and asked for a dollhouse. And the dad promptly nodded and promised to build her one. Then he went back to reading his book. Soon he glanced out the study window and saw her arms filled with dishes, toys, and dolls, making trip after trip until she had a great pile of playthings in the yard. He asked his wife, what's she doing? His wife turned to him, oh, you promised to build her a dollhouse. And she believes you. She's just getting ready. He thought he had been hit by a bomb. He threw aside the book and raced to the lumberyard for supplies and quickly built the little girl a dollhouse and If you ask him why he responded so, 
because he wanted to? No, because she deserved it? Probably not, but no, her daddy had given his word. And she believed it and acted upon it. And when I, when he saw her faith, nothing could keep him from carrying out his word. God is so much greater than that father. You say, have you seen a lot of fruit and a lot of people saved? And that's, of course, that's what we've been praying for. And that's what we've been working towards in the country of Japan. We haven't seen a lot, but we have seen some. And everyone is precious. And everyone is a fulfillment of God's promise and his word. We need to respond like that centurion in humility, humbling ourselves, saying, Lord, I'm yours and I'm nothing. I'm not worthy, but you have the power and the authority and I'm ready to obey however you direct me to go. He moves and he works among us. Will you have a great faith tonight like the centurion, a marveling faith? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your word. I pray that you speak to us, that you would use this centurion and his faith. The fact that Jesus pointed it out tells me that it's significant. There's so many things that we get preoccupied with, that we get in a habit of and and lose sight of, of how we need to respond. I pray that you'd help us as we reach the people of Japan, but help this church as it gives and as it steps out again and time and time again to reach out to other communities, this community, to uh, with your word as well. Help them to grow and help us to grow. We just thank you again for all you've done. Please have your will and way in our hearts. We ask this in your name. Amen.